Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Out of Five Stars, a weekly book review podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and Jess. I'm the Jess over here in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm the Jess in Louisville. Each week, we're getting together virtually with a drink in one hand and a mic in the other to talk about all things bookish. Today on the show, we are doing part two of, which is the last four episodes of Shadow and Bone, the show on Netflix. Yes. So last week we covered those first four episodes of the show. Uh, we made some predictions. And this week we are joined by a Greaseverse expert to join us because we are joined by the bookstagrammer, Isabel, from ISA underscore shelf on Instagram. Isabel, welcome to the show. Um, would you please introduce yourselves to the listeners? Yeah. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited to be here. Um, like you said, I'm Isa Shelf on Instagram. Um, I uh, just recently started my bookstagram, actually only in January, so I'm kind of new to the community, um, but Ooh. very excited to be here. And um, yeah. So uh, if you're new to the podcast or if you're not, this part we do, what are you drinking? So Jess, Louisville Jess, what are you drinking today? Well, I was talking to you guys earlier before the show started, and I was telling you that I'm feeling kind of crampy. I can feel myself breaking out, and I'm starting my period. So I didn't want to drink any booze, and I'm drinking a sparkling Spindrift. Spindrift, of course. uh, Raspberry lime. Isabel, what about you? What do you got drinking over there? Um, I'm currently drinking a Wildberry Truly. Um, I'm in the midst of my finals week right now, uh, my last finals week ever, so I am celebrating, going to break out the Truly. <laughs> yes. Nice. Right Just- on. Um, going real classy. I have a box of wine, but I put it in a fancy Ooh. cup, my fancy mug. <laughs> I felt it. It felt like very, I don't know, good for the, for the episode. When you drink out of it, the mustache makes it look like it, you have it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's but it is one. just a like super bottom shelf red wine from Safeway. So I'm not even gonna, not even gonna give it any more time than it needs. Classy. It was cheap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right on. All right. That's what we're drinking. So there's no corrections that we have from last uh, episode other than we are predictions pronounced our predictions. Yes. And our pronunciations were a little all over the place, but that's just how it goes. Um, But before we get too much into the book, we wanted to just give everyone a feel for who Isabel is. And can you tell us you said so you are newer to the bookstagram community. What made you what was the influence? Why did you join bookstagram? Yeah, um, I really joined because I got back into reading during quarantine. Um, I was a big reader when I was younger in like middle school. Um, and I kind of stopped when I was in high school and college. And then during quarantine, I just like rediscovered like reading and my love for books. And so I was following bookstagrammers on my personal Instagram. And I was like, I, you know, I kind of want to be a part of this. And I don't have a ton of reader friends in real life. And I wanted to talk about books with other people. So bookstagram has been like a really awesome way to do that. That's awesome. So that was going to be our next question. Like, have you always been a reader? And I feel like that's like a trend. With people, they have, they grew up reading and then they kind of stop when they're in high school and college. So you have been a reader always. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I've, I love to read. I think 
you know, I'm an English major um, in college. And so I've done like a ton of reading for school. And I think it kind of burnt me out on like reading for fun, because I'm reading all the time for my classes. Um, so quarantine was a really good time where I could just kind of like step back from everything and, and really like read what I wanted to read for fun again. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so is there a certain type of trope? Or is there something that draws you to a certain book? What are you what are you looking for in a in a good book? That's a really good question. I think, um, I feel like I read a lot of the same thing. Uh, I love fantasy in general. I really love, and I, I really love YA fantasy, obviously. Um, I think a trope that like gets me every time I love an enemies to lovers trope mm. where they like hate each other and they grow to like kind of get along and then they fall in love. I think that's probably like, if it's enemies to lovers, I will read it no matter what. <laughs> nice. Even though you know what you're going to, what you expect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then I've got a pretty good guess as to who one of your favorite character couples are in the series then, but we'll, we'll leave it for the book discussion. <laughs> I didn't know you were an English major, so that's great. And you're, so you're basically, are you reading the classics in, were you reading the classics in college? Cause I've seen you post about like reading Jane Austen and a, a whole bunch of other books that I, would probably put me to sleep. <laughs> um, I've tried, honestly, I've tried reading them and I don't think they're, they're not my level yet. I need to like do a little bit more, you know, hardcore reading into like the classics. Um, so has it been hard to balance your college reading with your fun time reading? Yeah, I think that's definitely something I've been feeling a lot, especially this semester. Um, the reason I'm reading so much Jane Austen is because I'm in a Jane Austen class this semester. So I have to read all of her books. <laughs> um, and actually, I've really... I, Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I actually have enjoyed them a lot more than I thought. I think my favorites are between Emma and Pride and Prejudice. I've seen the book. I've seen the movie. I've seen the... Um, what's the one with Keira Knightley? I've seen that one, but Pride I saw it a long, long time ago. Yeah. So to remind the listeners about what we predicted last week on the show, because we were telling Isabel earlier that we were very terrible. Um, Jess, do you want to go ahead and tell her your predictions from last week? Yeah. Okay. So my number one, I stuck to this. I was like, she has to stay with Mal. Mal is the guy. He's going to make a comeback. So mind you, this is just like, I watched up to the fourth episode and I was like, that's what's going to happen. He's going to come back and they're going to be, you know, they're going to get back together. I thought she was going to be way more bummed about her scar removal situation, which mm. wasn't touched on. Maybe it was in the books. I'm not sure. I thought uh, that Inej was going to be leaving the Six of Crows gang, which I mean, how they left it on the end of the the season that was something that was like touched on. So I, I just saw, I felt like something was going to happen with her because um, there's a lot of like mystery backstory that they alluded to in the show. Um, whereas they didn't really do that with Jesper, but with her, they did. And I was like, okay, something's going to happen with her. And I also was like, both Jess and I said, the fold is coming down. We were like, it's coming down. Um, Jess, do you want to say your predictions that you had? <laughs> Okay, so mine were also that um, Alina was going to stay with Mal because, and I think the reason that we gave was that we were... We talked about the Hunger Games. We were like, that's how it should have been. Yeah, we talked about the Hunger Games. <laughs> it should have ended with her staying with her uh, childhood person, but it didn't, unfortunately, mm -hmm. and that's what we wanted to see here. 
Um, so we predicted that. And then I predicted that Jesper would fall in love with the tailor. I think I, I was starting to say like Jesper would fall in love with somebody in the little palace. Um, maybe it wasn't the tailor, but it was, he did have a little sleepover with somebody and it was the stable boy, which I'm not mad about. It was so cute. Um, mm-hmm. And then also went ahead with like, they will take down the fold. But, you know, it, it just, spoiler alert, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. You know, and honestly, I'm I'm okay with that because it it yes. to me my biggest my biggest issue with the this the beginning of the season was there wasn't a lot of training that happened for the sun summoner, this like saint who's supposed to save everyone. It it just kind of like flew through a little bit of training. So I would have actually been disappointed had the fold come down because she didn't really like work at anything to extent she had like a whole bunch of other things going on with uh, relationships and and little side stories so i'm glad that the fold didn't come down it was such a big thing if she would have just taken it down it just would have felt anticlimactic to me and rushed too um isabel how many times have you seen the show i just finished my second rewatch today so i've seen it twice officially as of today okay okay um the first four episodes were kind of like, oh, okay, good. And then um, watching the fifth one, the fifth one was like, everything is a game, like it's a game changer. I was texting Jess. I was like, oh my God, the fifth one, everything happens. Um, what were your reactions to, I guess, the fifth episode where, you know, she kind of like gets taken away. She gets kidnapped or not really. She kidnaps herself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really kind of, I mean, yeah, you're right. Things really pop off in that episode. I think that's where it kind of gets interesting. Um, I knew what was going to happen, obviously, so I was kind of expecting it. But I I love how they um, incorporated the crows with her escaping um, the little palace. I thought that was really fun. And um, I, I like that they give her... Um, I know we're going to talk about differences later, but I will say that in the in the show, they give her a lot more agency than she shows in the book. In the book, she kind of goes along with what other people are telling her. Um, and in the show, I think she really, like, takes control of, you know, her own actions, what she wants to do. So um, I thought the fifth episode kind of exemplified that really well, um, her escaping and, and kind of semi-getting kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was weird. Okay, so I, I have to know, if the Crow gang was not involved in the books, what was the, like, main driver? Like, who drove her out of the Little Palace then? Yeah, so in the books, um, essentially, she she still escapes in, like, a wagon. Um, it's just, like, a random uh, wagon of, like, a troop of performers who came to the Winter Fate. So it, she's still escaping, essentially, in the same way, but it's it's people that she doesn't you know, ever interact with, actually. They never discover that she escapes in the wagon. So what about in the Six of Crows? In the Six of Crows, does do, do they have her escaping in their wagon? Or is it just, like, something the show put together? Yeah, so really, um, this, the whole, like, plot line with Six of Crows in the Shadow and Bone show is completely new. Um, so everything that they do in the show, they have kind of created for the show. Um, because Six of Crows, the book, takes place after the third Shadow and Bone book is already over. So the Crows and Alina, like, never actually meet in the book. Yeah. They never go to Ravka or anything. Oh. Yeah, so so okay. that's all completely new. 
Right on. All right, that's cool. So speaking of like episode five, once we get past this, we're in a total game changer. And I wanted to know, did anyone else get major Nicholas Sparks vibes from Mal and Alina with the letters? They're like, I wrote you every day. And she's like, I never got a letter. I was like, oh my God, I love this because I love the notebook. But I loved this for them because it wasn't just so like her relationships are so at least how they're doing it in the show you still don't know like a hundred percent what uh the general kerrigan's like whole vibe is like i still don't a hundred percent know if he's like dark daddy through and through or if he does have some feelings (laughs) for her but obviously now mal there was, I like it. I like the the letter scene, the letter trope of like, oh. I didn't put that together until you just said it. Yeah. Did you, Isabel, did you put that together when you were watching No, it? I love that connection though, actually. And I, I love that because that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, something that I did, I was look, looking at articles after um, finishing the, the show. And one thing that they said on BuzzFeed was like, um, Nina and Matthias's relationship when they're in the ocean, they were like, this just proves that Jack did fit the on the door on the Titanic. Exactly. I'm like, yes, totally. I love that. Speaking of that relationship, that though, part. is that your favorite relationship? Because they're enemies to lovers, Isabel? Okay, shockingly, no. Um, I do love them. I do love them. Um, I think I don't want to give any... I don't think I can say my favorite relationship because I don't want to spoil anything. Has it not happened yet? Not like fully, no. Okay, well then maybe just say what now, what now it is. Maybe, ooh, hang on, prediction. Is it Kaz and Inej? Lips I mean. are sealed. <laughs> Dang, she's like, I'm not saying anything. I love it. Ooh. Okay, just so saying, this um, just means, this just means after we read the series... And season two starts. You're going to be back for season two. Hopefully that relationship has happened by season two. And then we can talk about it. Yes. All right. I like yes. it. Just yeah. Secrets. <laughs> so. I did like uh, Nina and Matthias's relationship, though. That's what I wanted to talk about. So far in the season, like, just did you like the relationship? Isabel, did you like that relationship? Because I had a hard time fully getting behind it. I love them both as characters. I just couldn't get fully behind that relationship because of the like last turn of events in their in their like um story when he's in the prison and then like shuts her down. Yeah, I mean I think I think that's very fair. Uh, obviously they have like kind of this tumultuous relationship. I think th- that's part of why I like them so much though. Um is like the kind of back and forth that they have. Um I love like the banter between I love when couples like banter and and they have I think some of the best banter especially in the book. Um uh, I think it like I like their chemistry. Um but I will say like you know the development like felt a little bit rushed between them. Like I didn't feel like we really got to spend enough time with them to like get super invested. Um, at least like, you know, I read the book, so I have like these preconceived mm-hmm. notions in my head of like, Oh, I, I know, you know, the characters more deeply, but I'm, I mean, I'm kind of wondering like coming from just watching the show, like, did you feel, did you feel like their relationship was like authentic or was it just kind of like, eh? I thought it was a little bit authentic. My issue was the relationship was, too quick for like 
Nina, Nina carried the relationship for me. Like she carried that, that sub story where Matthias, Matthias, he did, he didn't, I mean, he's gorgeous, but his character in the show just like didn't meet to the level of Nina. And then the -hmm. fact that when the shoe was on the other foot, you know, he didn't, he didn't show like, oh, this is just so, you know, not ironic, but it's just the shoes on the other foot. And he couldn't, you know, meet her and be like, oh, I believe you are. I understand why you did this, you know? And he was just like, mm. which sucks because he's gorgeous. <laughs> and I do like, I liked that relationship where it could have gone, but right where they left it on season one ending, I was like, oh, I'm kind of grumpy with him. Like Nina's great. You should have been nicer to her. <laughs> I'm kind of cool. the opposite where I really liked their relationship. Um, I didn't really care that it happened too fast. I mean, I'm a fan of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, so I'm a believer in fast love. Um, yeah, I I did not like what you said about them, like, Matthias not really trusting Nina in the last episode. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. And I love when they're... Um, when they're having to get naked in the bed and cuddle so that they don't, you know, like freeze to death and everything like that. Um, don't get me wrong. I love that. I love that. He's yeah. gorgeous. She's gorgeous. That was really cute. I'm just saying Nina, Nina's character carried that whole thing for me the whole time. I was like, yes. All right. You can't just be a sexy hunk over there. <laughs> I like the actress that they chose to pick Nina. I mean, I don't know how she was described in the books, but um, she seemed like she was a bit of a curvier, fuller girl. And I really like that. Um, something that I was telling Jess about earlier is that I really enjoyed the diversity in the cast. That was, it goes to show that you can have a bunch of diversity in a show and it still be a hit, you know? Mm-hmm. How was it described in the books? Was it like that too? Or did you expect those characters to be those actors and actresses, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I think um, with Six of Crows, Lee Bardugo, Bardugo, who uh, wrote the series, did write a diverse cast. Um, So in the books, like Nina is um, plus size, like um, Jesper is dark skin, Inej is Suli. So she has like done, um, I think in Six of Crows, a really good job of, of creating a more diverse cast um, and really amazing characters. I, I absolutely adore the Six of Crows characters. And I thought that the people they found to play them did an incredible job, like really just like encapsulated um, who they were. Um, in Shadow and Bone, um, Alina and Mal's races aren't, aren't really ever specified. Um, they never really touch on that. Um, so the racism that Alina faces in the show, um, being part shoe, um, is something that they they did incorporate in the show only. It's not really something she faces in the book. Um, but I, I did think that, you know, their efforts to create a more diverse cast, especially when I think YA fantasy is often very straight, white, um, I mean, especially from, you know, earlier YA fantasy 2012 when this was published. Um, so I actually, you know, it was a change, but I thought it was something that really benefited the story overall. Yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I was I don't know why I keep bringing this back to um, the Hunger Games, but like even in the Hunger Games, I feel like our, you know, Katniss was supposed to be like more olive skin and like she was supposed to be more, you know, you like a different look and then when they cast it they they cast a white girl which is fine she did a really good job but it's just like very interesting that 
uh, young adult fiction always tends to kind of lean that that way. And I don't know. And speaking of the Hunger Games, um, do you remember when it came out, people were very upset that Rue was black. They were like, she wasn't black in the show and like in the in the books. People were very... Do you guys remember that coming out, that they were upset that she was A little skinned? bit, but I, I, it's not... Again, it's like one of those things that like I, I feel like I just never paid attention very much like back in the day, and I don't remember that happening very much, but I do hear about it. I can remember Rue's name, but I can't remember the childhood friend's name. What's his name? The yeah. guy? Oh, Gail! Jeez, oh, <laughs> thank you. A... Like <laughs> I, know, I didn't even go and look it up because my brain was just. Ugh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> so we were both wanting her to be with Gail. I feel like most people wanted yes. her to be with Gail, and then she's not with Gail. So, anyways, I want to hear your take on the Darkling story, and let's just focus on strictly the show because we are gonna like go into like your book versus show at it, like adaptation discussion but the darkling story how it's presented in the show his backstory his mama's backstory which by the way the actress who plays the mom is like one of my favorite actresses of all time i love her in like pretty much anything she's in um but what about his gracia lover how did you think that all was done did you did you like how it was done how they presented the backstory at the time that they did in the show or did you think it kind of like left some things lacking um I was I was really really happy with um how they did the Darklings character I mean I just love Ben Barnes so really anything he does I'm like I love it. I think you're amazing. <laughs> um, but I did think I did think they did a good job. I mean he's really a character that um you know, he's kind of hard to figure out. You're kind of like uncertain of his motivations. And obviously there's a big reveal, but even if after you have that, you're kind of like, you know, is he good? Is he bad? It's, you know, it's not easy to put him in a category, I think. And I think providing the backstory at the time they did was really important because you see like, okay, he's not just like evil one-dimensional bad guy who just does bad things because he wants to. It's like he has, you know, he thinks he's doing the right thing. You know, he's like, you know, I'm helping the Grisha. I'm saving the Grisha who, you know, are persecuted by people like the Fjordans or, you know, the Rothkin government. Um, so I really liked the way that they incorporated that. I think it gives you like some important context and it, it complicates his character in a way that I think is super interesting. So the, the Bagra though, his mom, what, like, where are we thinking both of you guys is she the ultimate actual bad guy? Like, I still couldn't figure it out. I was like, okay, it. Well, I mean, she's smiling. She's like, ooh, that. There's a. She's smiling. I like. I like seeing some uh, spoilers in your face. <laughs> I'm not very and good mine, at hiding. <laughs> mine are basically. Mine are only based on the fact that, like, I know the actress who plays the Bagra is always like actually a bad person like she's always ends up being the actual true bad person it's just like her vibe she gives off the where she's like but that whole um her I it was just very confusing to me this was one thing that I had I read the books I feel like this would have been easier for me to understand the relationships and all that kind of stuff but when it was revealed that she was the mother of the darkling but also trying to help Alina escape 
all of that was just so confusing. I didn't understand like how it all lined up or anything like that. On top of that, you've got the like librarian dude. Sorry, I have no idea who what his name is, but he was the, the one apparat- who was like tell yeah, he was like telling her, you know, the the theory behind the the steg and everything like that. And I just couldn't figure out where they all sat on the good or bad side. I don't know. Did you Louisville Jess, you obviously didn't read the books either. So was this as confusing for you or was it just a personal problem for me? I think it was a personal problem for you because, you know, um, but damn it. <laughs> but now that you say all of these things, my the gears are running. And plus, um, Isabel's face trying to like hide spoilers. So here's the prediction that I'm gonna make. And Bagra is the mom, we know. Um, the Darkling is Bagra, and that's why he always has to go with Jenya because Jenya is the tailor, so Jenya can change his appearance to be so that Bagra is the Darkling and Bagra's actor is the is the son who's being so like, you're saying alina made out with mama bagra yes yes, yes. <laughs> i'm saying it <laughs> oh my that's, god you know that's why like jenny always has to be around the darkling because like she has to continue to change his face i don't know this is my prediction you can go ahead <laughs> I, I i'm you know the gears were turning. What do you? What about you, Isabel? Since you know, was it confusing to you, or did you kind of like already pick up on it because you've you're the reader? I think I think in this case, reading the books was really helpful. I don't think that they did a great job of kind of, especially with the Apparatus character, um, setting him up, uh, or, or, or like you know to under to have viewers like kind of understand him um he's not in the show very much and and to be fair he's not in the books that much either but um I think having the context that I had in the book was helpful because I didn't think that they spent quite enough time like kind of having like helping the viewer understand what was going on with him and with Bagra too I mean um in the books I know you mentioned um you're kind of missing a training montage in the show um and the books do spend more time with Alina and Bagra um training and and you know working on her her summoning so I think if they had had maybe uh, a little bit more of like a training montage or like showed more time with Bagra I think that might have been helpful in like kind of understanding her relationship see but my question here and this is where I felt like I was just left to put things together was don't Okay, General Kerrigan and his mom, the Bagra, don't they know where they stand, like, on the, the bigger issue that, like, doesn't, doesn't the mom already know that General Kerrigan wants to, like, take back over, yada, yada, yada? So if that's the case, why is she just, like, allowed to be around and, like, influence mm-hmm. the Sun Summoner? Like, I was, that's where I was just like, I don't know, like, where any of these people actually stand and... Yeah, I was, as just a viewer, confused by that whole thing. I think that's a good question, actually. And I don't know that the books can even really give you an answer about that, because uh, I don't really know why they let her <laughs> let her stay. And I don't really know. I mean, I think she is kind of um, powerless when compared to the Darkling. I mean, uh, General Kerrigan, he is obviously the leader of the Second Army. He has this political power and sway with the king. And, and Bagger's mm-hmm. kind of like the old lady that they send all of the... 
um, incoming Grisha to train with. She's just kind of like, I think they just see her as like a teacher and, and I don't think she has much political sway. So, you know, maybe she doesn't feel like she can stop him. You know, she might know what he's doing, but, but what power does she really have to, to kind of stop his plan? I, I don't know that she has a lot. Um, I think that's really the only thing I could, the only explanation I think I could think of, of, of why they kind of let her, <laughs> let her yeah. stay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess we will find out when we read the books because we will probably read the books faster than the second season will come out if it comes out, this, which yeah, I hope This it does. conversation too is just like making me so excited. Like all your little like smirks when we say something, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I just, I have to know now. I have to go get the books. Okay. So anyways, I want to talk about who I felt stole the show and that is Milo the Goat because that was another prediction of mine. I was like, Milo the goat's going to have a resurgence. He's going to come back in one of the episodes, on the end episodes. And I loved that they tied right. in the Six mm-hmm. of Crows story with the bullet, put it on the goat, which got and Mal then, free. Yeah, and then got Mal free. That was adorable. And that was so freaking cute. I don't know. I, I would love to see the Milo the goat, like, continue as like just a little goofy (laughs) easter egg that happens we were talking about easter eggs earlier in the show or in the last episode of um the author you know being in the she was in the little palace i think she was wearing purple um but yeah yeah. were there any easter eggs or any little things that you picked up on as a reader that you saw on the show that you were like oh that's this or just like something little that you saw that you really appreciated as someone who's been reading the books there is one moment and I know that this is like a confirmed easter egg um it's when Kaz Inej and Jesper steal the uh steal General Kerrigan's um like coach and David is sitting in the coach and he jumps he's out a book right he's reading a book and it, the book is Shadow and Bone yeah that's what I thought that's exactly what I thought I was watching it and I was like pause Go back. Pause. Wait, is this Shadow and Bone? I think it is. And I thought that was really, I did notice that too. Yes. So I'm glad you confirmed that So is that, that cover the the normal cover? That's not the normal cover, right? Is that the mass production cover for it? No, I think it's like a specially made cover because the original cover is kind of like a gray and black and red um, that kind of cast the little palace is on the front. And then I have the new, this is the other cover that I have. So it has the the stag on it. Um, so I think it was one that they specially made for the show because it, it's in, it's in Ravkin mm-hmm. um, on the cover as well. So I think um, it actually kind of looked like the Crooked Kingdom uh, cover. So for a second, I was like, is he reading Crooked Kingdom? But yeah, it was Shadow and Bone. That's awesome. I, I'm glad I caught that one too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so now that we've kind of like gone through a bit of the show, um, how does the show hold up to the book? The Shadow and Bone book. And I guess the And let me just book. say too, so everyone knows, she just Isabel just like lifted up her book and it is full of, of little tabs. tags all over. Can you like first explain <laughs> what what is your tab system? And then two, tell us how the how the adaptation of that first book holds up to the to the series. Yeah, yes. I, uh, I did, I, I reread it kind of as I was watching the show. Um, so as I was reading, I was like, oh, like, you know, noticing things. Um, I have three different colors. So I have pink, uh, kind of a green and then blue. So pink is like 
um, important plot points and like iconic lines that are like, you know, super big lines um, in the book. Um, green is kind of like world building stuff. So like information you kind of need to know to understand. And then blue is uh, new characters. So have all of them uh, on there. But um, I think just like generally speaking, overall, I was super, super happy with how the how they did the show. Um, I thought it held up to the stories really well. I thought that they like captured the essence of both Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows um, just like super well. And it was really enjoyable. And, you know, there were obviously differences, but I would say that almost all the differences were improvements and things things that I actually really liked. Um, uh, you know, there were Shadow and Bone is like not a perfect book. Um, there were things about it that I didn't like, and so I thought that they actually kind of corrected some of the stuff uh, in the show that I didn't love about the original book. So, what are some of those corrections? I, I'm just curious. What are some of the things that uh, of the book or the series as a whole, just like general? What were some of the things that you enjoy that they did a correction or kind of changed for the screen? I think just very generally speaking, um, they made some, some of the characters more likable that I didn't, that I didn't love when I was reading the book. Um, Mal specifically in the books is kind of, he's not a great, he's not a great partner to Alina. He, um, he has some problems and, and Alina herself has, you know, some issues as well. So I, I like the changes that they made to those characters. Um, and I think they also made, the book a little, or sorry, the show a little more um, action packed. The book is a little slow in places, and I and I thought in the show they did a good job of kind of keeping the pace up for the most part uh, to keep people interested. So when you found out that the show was going to be made, um, did you know that the Six of Crows was going to be involved, or I guess integrated into the show? And because something that we talked about in the past episode was that. If the Six of Crows hadn't been involved, it feels like the show would have been a little bit slow. It wouldn't have like held up to like the expectations that everybody else was expecting, I guess. Yeah. So I um I I did. I think when I found out, I knew when I found out about the show, I knew that cr the crows were going to be incorporated, and that was really kind of the reason that I wanted to watch it. Um, like I said, you know, I had some problems with Shadow and Bone, um, the the trilogy. I I rated them, I think, on Goodreads anywhere from like three point five to four stars. So like they weren't like my top reads. Um, and so when I found out the crows were going to be in it, I was like, okay, well then I'm going to love this because um, I I really love the Six of Crows books. Um, so I think that was kind of a big motivator for me to, to, to watch it because, um, I rated Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom both five stars. They're like some of my favorite books of all time. So, um, yeah, I think if they hadn't put the Six of Crows, uh, storyline in, I, I personally would have gotten a little bit bored, I think, just because, um, I think that they add a lot of, a lot of like fun and intrigue, um, to, to the original plot of Shadow and Bone. You know, now I'm wondering if the author did that on purpose because she did the trilogy first and then maybe she thought, well, hey, maybe this is could have been proved with some better characters and then she kind of just like wrote them in maybe. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you, if you read Shadow and Bone and then read Six of Crows, there's like a marked difference between just like the character development and even like the plot and the pacing. Like, I think you can see how much she's improved as a writer, like as she continues to write. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised if she did. Um, I think that like the whole like Grisha verse is improved by the Six of Crows characters. So if, if, if that was intentional, it was a good choice. <laughs> 
that's so interesting when you think about series you know that have you know the beginning that comes out and then it's maybe a few years and then the author or the writer will do another grouping of books it's so interesting to think that you thought the you know the follow-up was better than the original because usually people are always like bark 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 original first that's the better one um so that that's like a breath of fresh air to hear though that like you know someone allowed themselves to grow take probably feedback and like build upon that so that's 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 good that's good to hear um so one thing we wanted to know was when you're reading i'm sure a lot of people do this do you picture certain people playing these characters and if so did you have any one picked out for any of these characters prior to seeing who was going to play everyone and then as far as the people that they did choose for the characters do you think they did a good job do you think these actors are are good representations of the characters that you that you read I think I'm kind of in an interesting position because when I started reading um and specifically Crooked Kingdom or Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom um they had already announced like the cast for Shadow and Bone so as I was reading them I knew who the cast members were and I was like okay like I I just kind of was default picturing them um in my head as as the the TV show cast um, when I was reading Shadow and Bone, I I don't know that I really pictured. I had seen a lot of fan art um, online, so I think when I am reading, um, I think more of like fan art than I do like um, actual actors. But um, so I didn't really have anyone picked out for Shadow and Bone specifically. But I think that they did a really really good job of casting for the show. I was really happy with every single one of the people that they cast. Um, ben Barnes. Uh, I don't know if like you know you're on Tumblr or anything, but um, Back in the day when, like, Six of Crows and, and uh, Shadow and Bone were kind of super popular on Tumblr, everyone fan cast Ben Barnes as the Darkling. Everyone was like, yes, we need to get Ben Barnes to play the Darkling. Like, Lee Bardugo was, like, uh, reblogging posts about it. So, like, it's kind of been, like, a long-running thing where everyone's like, oh, we want Ben Barnes as the Darkling. So it was, like, super cool that we actually got to see that uh, in the show that uh, it kind of came to fruition. Okay, I didn't know that the author was also reblogging that stuff, but I was on Tumblr back in the, that day, and I did see people like posting constantly about that, and that's where I was like, oh, maybe I should give this book a shot, and it just it never happened. But either way, I love that she was reblogging that because that just reminds me of you know Twilight days when mm-hmm. Stephanie Meyer was like, this is who I want to play this person, and everyone's like voting on her website. And- <laughs> just all over the place I remember those twilight days and I remember when the cast announcement came out for them I was in high school and I was hyperventilating when they said who would be Rob who would be uh Edward Cullen I was like like a little child you know it was so um yeah it was dumb um was there anything about the show that surprised you and you know just made you feel like wow this was this was really great Yeah, I think there was kind of a lot, honestly. I I kind of went into it a little bit hesitant because I think sometimes fantasy doesn't translate super well to TVs and movies. I've been burned before by book adaptations of fantasy, or sorry, movie and TV show adaptations of fantasy books um, where, you know, it turns out kind of cheesy or it doesn't translate quite how how you picture it in your head. Um, So I think in terms of like special effects and like how they portrayed the magic and the costuming and the setting, like all of that stuff really exceeded my expectations. Um, and, and I didn't think, um, 
There was like one part that I did think was kind of cheesy. Sometimes like her light stuff felt a little bit cheesy to me. I 100% agree. And that's something that I said in the first episode was that when she lit up, she looked like a freaking light bulb and it wasn't cool. Yeah. 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 I had that issue too a little bit. Yeah. I, I remember just saying like, she looks like a light bulb. And then, so after she said that, when I watched the last four episodes, I was hyper aware of like all of the light coming off of her and just how that whole thing was. And it's, it's hard not to make comparisons. Obviously we all have that issue. Like when you watch something or read something, you're obviously going to be making care comparisons, especially when it's like magic girl goes to magic school and then saves country. It's, it's hard to do that. And, and when, there was that scene with the stag and she was doing the orb like around the stag and around Mal. I was like, Oh, this just so much reminds me of like Bella's power in twilight or, Oh, I was just thinking Harry Potter. Well, the orb thing was very specific Uh, to like, you know, Bella when she could make the force fields or whatever. Um, that that was my my thing too as far as filming goes was I loved the steampunk vibe but the the light orb was a little weird H- how was that like described when you were reading the book without seeing any of these you know trailers or anything like that is that kind of how you pictured the you know the sun summoner's power not so much I think the I mean again like how how do you really like represent that on screen? I think that's definitely challenging. So you know um, I appreciate that they you know the work that they put into it, but I think um, I imagine it more I guess like sunlight, so kind of like rays of mm. gold light. Um, hers to me felt a little bit like you know those balls that you put your hands on that have like the electric static inside that <laughs> makes your hair stand. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what it looked like to me when she would do like the glowing orb kind of thing. So. You know, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily picture it that way. Um, I, I definitely pictured it more of like, I guess, sun than like electrical, the kind of direction that oh, they went in. Currents, yeah. Um, well, that's pretty awesome. Um, something we forgot to put in the notes for the show was to actually rate the show. So let's go ahead and start doing that. Um, Jess, what would you rate the show out of five stars and why? Well, <laughs> I I would rate it 4.5 out of 5. And that is actually the highest rating I've given since we've been doing the show. I have very little that I'm upset about as far as like character development. I think it was really good. My biggest faux pas was obviously the lack of training, montage, kind of overcoming the like learning aspect of like if she really did just learn she had this power that was just a little weird my other folk like my other issues with the with the show was so we were just talking about her power and how it was represented for someone who didn't read the books and you're just seeing this it looks very similar to the the Grisha that can throw fire it doesn't stand out as much as I thought, you know, it kind of just looks like the people who can throw fire. So I'm like, why is she so different? If like these people can throw fire and this one can start someone's heart who's stopped having light balls doesn't look as intimidating as like someone who can start or stop a heart, you know, that I'm like, I don't really understand how she's like the craziest person here. If there's someone who can do that. So that's my, my, 
my other big faux pas with it. Um, I love the relationships that are happening outside of <laughs> Nina Matias just because of how it was ended. I do really love Nina though. So like, I'm excited to see where that's going to go. And Nej, I'm very excited to see where that's going to go. And just based on the show, like it's definitely hooked me. I, I have been like influenced enough to, I'm going to be reading the whole series. So 4.5, there's not a whole lot that I have to, you know, gripe about. I think it was really fun and it was very fast paced. And I love that the Six of Crows story wove in enough to keep you entertained in those slow spots in Alina's story, because there are a lot of slow spots, which you're just to be expected. And so far, no one's really going exactly where I'm thinking. So it's not like too, you know, it's not too predictable at this point. And I really like that for young adult fiction, because normally that is just too predictable where you're like rolling your eyes watching or reading it. So 4.5, that's, that's where I'm at. Who wants to go next? Louisville Jess, do you want to go next? And then we'll say, well, I was going to let, I was going to let Isabel do do next. Sure. Um, I would also give it a 4.5 actually. Um, I, like I kind of mentioned earlier, like I was just super impressed with um, how they, you know, encapsulated like the spirit of, of both Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows. Um, and I was really happy with, with the costuming, with the casting, with, um, you know, the character relationships, how they portrayed these characters, like that I love so much. Um, so yeah, I, I think a lot of, a lot of stuff was working in its favor. I think the only reason I would take away points. Um, you know, like I mentioned, the some of the special effects didn't quite do it for me. Um, and then there were some like book inconsistencies that there were a couple of things that they changed that I was kind of like, mm, I don't love that they did that. Um, but it wasn't anything like so glaring that I like hated it or anything. Right, right. Well, cool. Um, and I am going to be the third wheel. Yes, I am the same boat as both of you two. I am also rating it a 4.5. Um, I I was going to give it a five, but I was like, I'm, I didn't love it to that extent. Um, I'm still recommending it to a whole bunch of people. Um, I think it was, it was great. I guess maybe the thing that made me give it less points because all of your guys' points were spot on. I loved them for all those reasons would be come as a newcomer. It was a little bit harder to like catch on and there was some little things like well wait um like in the first episode I was telling Jess that first episode week, was so hard was yeah. like um oh they're going into the to the fold but oh the six of crows are already going to go hunt or I guess go look for Alina like that was kind of weird um so as a newcomer it was a little bit confusing and I did go on to BuzzFeed to like, here's what you need to know about the Grishaverse. And I was like, okay, I'm finally understanding. I looked up the map and I, and I got it. So that's my reasoning for taking down the 0.5. Like it's a 4.5 still. Okay. So real quick, I do want to go through one more time with rating, rating things because, okay, we all said 4.5, right? It, it's a great show. We loved it. Isabel, you said something. You said you've been burned before by book to TV or book to movie adaptations, right? So I just want to give like a overall arc, uh, like my rating thing. So like as far as like book to TV, book to movie adaptations, like 
my number fives are like Outlander. That's a number five. And The Host. That's number five for me. So what are some like number fives for you? And what are some things that are like, this is what burned me. I, you know, hate, like, I can't stand when a YA series does this when it goes to film. I think that's a great question. Um, I think I totally agree. Outlander. I love the Outlander adaptation. I think it that's definitely a five star for me. I adored it. And the host as well. I loved the host book and I loved um, the movie. So those are great ones. I think probably other ones for me, Harry Potter. Um, like I, I, you know, grew up with those. So I think that's kind of a given. And then um, the Hunger Games as well. I was really happy with uh, the Hunger Games book to movie adaptations. I thought that they did a pretty good job with those. Um, in terms of ones that really hurt me, <laughs> um, I this think, is what I'm most curious about. Yeah, yeah. what are some burns? I think um, Percy Jackson. Um, I loved the Percy Jackson books growing up. I was obsessed with them, and when they announced they were putting out a movie, I was so excited. I couldn't wait. It had Logan Lerman in it, who I was like in love with, you know. Um, and then it was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, they just like completely changed the plot. They messed up the characters. I was like, what is this? Um, so that's a pretty bad one. I think a lot of people feel the same way. Um, and then I would say the other one is, um, I don't know if you've read The Shadowhunter Chronicles by Cassandra Clare. Mm-mm. But that was like a, a YA series that I, I really loved um, when I was younger. And they made a horrible movie and then an even worse TV show. Um, so those are really bad. <laughs> well, dang. I um, Jess watches Outlanders and you've watched Outlanders. So now maybe I should probably watch Outlander. I've I've been seeing some TikToks about it and Ooh. I'm like, I'll get into it. I'll get I know, into I, it. <laughs> I told Jess, I was like, I'm in love. I've been in love with Outlander for a very long time, like read the book a while or the series a while ago, and I'm still watching the show right now. Like I, I'm not caught up to where they're at. And uh, Jess will send me videos every once in a while, you know, the TikToks like, ooh, watching Outlander. <laughs> but honestly, that's how it is. Like reading the book too. You can't read that book in public. You can't read it. In public. No. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, no, okay. I, I, I totally agree. I feel like there's there's definitely series that like burn you and there's ones that are just like so good. It hurts. You're like, I I could watch this once a year and it wouldn't be weird. <laughs> so or I've got a bit of a tough question for you, Isabel, and then we're going to go on to Jess will answer it next. Um, if you could choose what kind of Grisha you could be, which one would you be? And I told Jess this question earlier and she's like, oh, dang, give me like 10 minutes because I got to think about it. So what would you, which one would you be? That is a really hard one. Um, I, I think, um, oh gosh, I think I would probably have to say um, a fabricator and specifically a Duras, which is what uh, David does in the show. Um, I, and I say this only because if you're anything else, you have to be in the army. And I don't want to be in the army. Oh. I don't want to be out there fighting anyone. <laughs> I want to be safely in my workshop, you know, making things. So I think that's what I would have to pick. <laughs> nice. Jess, what did you what did you pick after thinking about it? Uh, okay, I feel like a coffee cat, but I also had Duras because the only, like, Grisha that I, on screen-wise, felt like I connected with was 
was David. Like, I have the same, like, mannerisms where I'm, like, doing stuff with my hands. I'm very fidgety. He was very fidgety. So I was like, okay, this guy's kind of cool. Um, I kind of connected with him on that level. On top of that, you know, they can they can manipulate, like, materials. And I I like to do art with material, like... I do electroforming with some jewelry and stuff like that, where you like put copper onto to any type of material. I usually do it with leaves and sticks and stuff like that. But I was like, okay, so that's that's where I went with it. I was like, okay, I like to make jewelry with like natural materials, so I would probably be that type of fabricator one. Anyways, that's where I was at. Also, just because David, I felt like he was. He was, I felt bad for him because he was like put into a position, but I also like kind of agreed, like, I don't want to be in the army. <laughs> and if I wasn't, if this question wasn't about what kind of Grisha would you be, I would, I'd be like, obviously a cartographer in, in the other <laughs> side, because I'd be making maps because that's actually what I do a lot of the time at work. So Louisville, Jess, what about you? What would you be? I feel like I really connected with Nina a lot and I would definitely be a heart render. I am a very, um emotional person. I feel people's emotions. I'm very empathetic and I I feel like I would be able to help people. And that's that's what I that's what I like to do, um, connecting with them in a different level like that. So that's what I would be. I would be I would be a heart render. So the next question. If you had to read one book genre for the rest of your life, what would it be? I think it would, you could go it would definitely have to stick with it. Okay. Yeah, I think it would definitely have to be fantasy and and most likely YA fantasy. Um, I've loved it, you know, ever since I started reading it when I was like in elementary school and I'm 22 and I still read it. So yeah, definitely YA fantasy. (laughs) That's yeah, that's what I figured you would say is fantasy, of course. Um, I am starting to get into it. So I for much longer, I probably won't be able to say, I'm not a fantasy person. I'm not a fantasy person. So I don't think you can anymore, Just Like every fantasy book you We'll see. Like, after oh, Fable. Okay. After Fable, we'll see. Oh, I'm we, so we're doing excited. Fable for the podcast. So yep. we'll see what we if I say that anymore. Um, so another obviously we were big Grishaverse fans. If there was another book series that you w- would like to see come to life, which one would it be? Uh, like an adaptation of a book series? Yes. Yeah. Ooh, okay. That's a good question. Um, it doesn't have to be a series. If you just, a book or a book series, which okay. one would you want to see as a movie? Or, or a I, I think um, I, I read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue earlier this mm. year, and I would really love to see that in a movie. I think it would be a really beautiful movie. Um, it's really an interesting story. So I think... Yeah, I would love to see that. Uh, I think it would it would make a better movie because it's just one, you know, book. But yeah, I would love to see that. That one is also on the list on the book list to be on the on the podcast. We have so many that we we have to do, and <laughs> yeah, so many. So Isabel, we wanted to say thank you. Yeah, thank you. Is there anything? Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on as far as the Grishaverse is concerned, or? A book recommendation? Is there anything else you wanted to say? No, I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think we covered it pretty well. Okay. Well, we we both want to thank you for joining us on this episode. And also big congratulations to you on college graduation finally wrapping up. Is the graduation happening this weekend? Sounds like. 
Yes, I graduate on Saturday. Yeah. Yep. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Any big plans for what you're going to do post-graduation right away? Take a little break, go on vacation, go read a book. What are you going to do? Yeah, hopefully a lot of reading. I um, I just got a job uh, as a elementary education teacher, so I will be spending the summer doing my training for that as well. Awesome. Oh, well, do you have a favorite like elementary school book that you're you're going to be bringing to the first day of class? Oh, yeah. I've actually been thinking about it because I'm like, I, I want to like make my children read, but I'm not sure what yet. I don't know what grade I'll be um, I'll be placed in. I think if I get one of the older grades, like, you know, fourth or fifth grade, I would love to do Percy Jackson because I read it around that time. And it's like one of those books that really made me love reading. So if I can get any just even one kid to to love reading, uh, that's that's my goal. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure awesome. you will. Yeah, I'm sure you will. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you. Um, and thank you, listeners. We hope you enjoyed the second part of Shadow and Bone. And please join us next week for our book review discussion. And we are doing The Farm by Joanne Ramos. And it's going to be part of our celebration, the way we celebrate um, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So... Looking yeah, forward to that one. I'm very excited. We've, I, I think we've both started it, and so mm-hmm. I'm so excited to hear what Jess thinks because this is a this is a PNW Jess pick. So I always love this when someone picks the book and they have to figure out what the other person thinks. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on all the socials at Out of Five Stars. You can also find Isabel at Is a Shelf on Instagram at I S A underscore Shelf. And uh, until next time, cheers. Cheers.